Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 180. I can't believe that, 180 episodes of uh, the podcast. I'm, I am Chad Dotson, as you just heard, and joining me is my good friend and uh, frequent uh, cohort here, co-conspirator, I should say, on the podcast, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am fantastic. And can I just say, I cannot believe that there are people out there, like three or four of them at least, who have listened uh, to 180 episodes of Your Accent. It's really, it's, you would think after once or twice, you'd be so sick of it that you couldn't listen to it anymore. But here must, we are. You must you must lull people with your with your delicate southern charm, Chadwick. It, yes, the dulcet tones of Chadwick Dotson. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, the Reds are still playing baseball. 32 more games left to play after tonight. And uh, I guess we'll suffer through all 32. But... Uh, what do you I, mean, suffer? <laughs> I, uh, here we go. I forgot who I was talking to. Jason, who loves Chat. his baseball. The Reds are um, going to come from behind and sneak into the playoffs. <laughs> obviously. Well, I mean, I'm taking that. For, yeah, that's. I'm taking it for granted they'll do that. There's no question. Listen, they're undefeated since August 24th. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And as right. we're as we're recording this, up seven to two on the Pirates. They they are on the brink of winning two consecutive baseball games, Chad. I, you know, I didn't think that was permitted huh? under the latest collective bargaining agreement. I thought that was not possible. It it seems as though it may be. Um, actually, glancing at this kind of, I'm just staring at their record now. They're, they've been, what, like 500-ish in, in, in August. That's something. That's progress. Yeah. yeah they've been, they've been a, they'll be one over 500 in August if they finish off tonight and win. You know, it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. That uh, we've been saying, whenever they get some decent pitching, and here the last little bit they've had some reasonable pitching, uh, mixed in yeah. with some some bad starts. When they get decent pitching, this team has been competitive all year long. That's the oh, yeah. that's the only that's the only X factor. They can they can for sure hit. It's just it's just you know can you get a quality start more than once in a blue moon? Well, you know the the, the big news today, or I guess let's talk about all the uh, transactions this week. The first one was uh, the Reds. Uh, Designated Blake Wood for assignment, and we certainly don't want to wish anyone ill. I hope he does well with the Angels who claimed him today. But Blake Wood sort of earned his way out of town. Any parting comments about Blake Wood, Jason? Um, I will probably never forgive him for um, ending Joey Votto's two games on base streak. With the wild pitch that if uh, he had just been able to get that batter out, Votto would have let off the the 10th inning. Yes. Exactly, with the wild pitch. I will never forgive him for that, but otherwise I wish him well. But I will hold this grudge until I die. <laughs> well, And we all know Jason can hold a grudge with the best of them. Uh, so that's that's some, a transaction happened this week. And Philip Irvin was sent down to AAA as part of all that. And the Reds called up uh, Alejandro Chassin and Luke Farrell, um, who uh, made their Reds debuts. And in Chassin's case, I think his Major League debut. Well, two days later, Philip Irvin was sent down, and he's right back. Uh, because the Reds put Jesse Winker on the disabled list with a left hip flexor strain or whatever that is. Uh, are you a doctor, Jason? Can you explain that to me? I'm not, nor can I. I do know that, like, kind of under the radar, Winker, I think, has had a few muscle issues throughout the year this year. So I think it's probably just kind of backed up on him to the point that uh, 
that it's like it's time for a little bit of time off. It's so fun. I doubt it's anything to be really terrified about. I'm sure he'll be back in 10 days or whatever. Oh, yeah, they fully expect him to be 100% within within 10 days. But just what a frustrating thing, you know. He's finally getting a shot in the big leagues. So I mean, you know, we can argue whether, whether he's playing enough. But he is playing some, and uh, he's in the big leagues probably to stay and uh, hitting fantastic. I mean, really, you know, doing everything we expected him to do. I think he's got yep. a two, 297 average. Uh See, I'm pulling it up here. Where is it? 402 on base percentage. Yeah, 402 on base percentage, 500. He's got four home runs, Jason. He only had two at Louisville. I know. <laughs> Everybody was worried about the power, and now he's killing the ball. I mean, hey, I've been on the record for ages that I feel like Slugger Field kills power. And this doesn't mean, you know, I don't think Jesse Winker's a power hitter, but Slugger Field is really, really rough on power hitters. Well, you've said here on the podcast a number of times, uh, Winker's not going to be a power hitter, but he, he's going to hit for more power than we've seen. And it's funny, yeah. it's funny you know, his first 87 plate appearances uh, in the big leagues, he's already doubled his AAA home run number. So you're right, he's not going to be a power hitter, but he will hit with, uh, he'll have a little bit of pop, but he's definitely going to have doubles power. And uh, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a he, good hitter. He is to me like the perfect one or two hitter, you know. I keep fantasizing about Winker 1, Senzel 2, uh, maybe Suarez 3, and Votto 4, something along those lines. Like, I just think that would be fantastic. The four guys that can get on base at the top of the order? Are you kidding me? <laughs> We've never seen that, not since uh, the Big Red Machine, which is before our time. And, boy, you know, I, I just brought his name up, but can we talk about Suarez for a minute and the year he is suddenly having? Oh, please, let's talk about Eugenio Suarez. I mean, he, you know, he's pretty quickly become my second favorite player on the team behind Joey Votto and, and has been for a while. And it's just one. Okay. We've said this, I think about him before, but he's fun. He, he looks like he's having fun and he has the goofy videos and he enjoys the game. And he's just seems to have worked so hard and just gotten so much better. And, you know, this year is no exception. You know, I know we're, Everybody in the world is hitting more home runs this year, but not everybody in the world had their on-base percentage jump 65 points this year. Um, yeah. You know, here, let me tell you what I, was, what I heard uh, just this week about Suarez. Is This is a guy who loves working at the game. Yeah. He's, there, he's there early as anybody or earlier than, than most, uh, maybe earlier than everyone. He stays late. He gets his swings in. He gets his reps in the field before the game. He just he enjoys the process of work, working at his game. And that's been evident to anyone that's watched him this year just on the basis of his defense. And you can see it's, it's just, it's the eye test tells you. And of course the numbers all back it up. Uh, That's just hard work. Yeah. One of the things I I think I pointed this out on, on Twitter recently, but I think needs to be pointed out is that the national league is so stacked with third baseman right now that, you know, he kind of gets lost in the shadow of, uh, Rendon and, and Bryant and Turner and whatnot. But if he were in the American League, it would be he would he's basically his neck and neck with Jose Ramirez for who is having the best season for he would be for who is having the best season among a third baseman in the American League. Now, he's got four guys who are clearly better than him in the NL, but they're all borderline MVP candidates. Um, you know, and he's I, I, he, honestly, he in, in a given year, he's not that far off. I mean if he I, and he's still only what twenty five? Is that right? He just turned twenty six, uh, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so this is his age twenty five season. Yes. Yeah. Um, man, he could be an MVP candidate over sometime over the next few years. 
you're right. He's a top five, top six, top seven third baseman in the majors. Um, but he's just unfortunate uh, when you look at that comparison because he's come along at a time where there are a bunch of good third basemen. Age yeah. 25 season, he's hitting 270, 382 on base percentage, slugging percentage around 500, 24 homers, 70 RBIs. I mean, a gold glove defense. He may not win the gold glove, but he certainly uh, has – you can have no complaints about his defense. Right. And yeah. just a, a smile on his face and a fun guy that likes to work, and I'm ready for the Reds to offer him a long-term contract. Same same here. He's got what? Uh, this year will be his first arbitration year. Is that right? Or did he have arbitration? Uh, I think that's right, yes. Yeah. So, um, shoot. I mean, and he's this is age 25 season. Give give the guy a six or seven year contract. Yeah. Sign him, sign, sign him now. Lock up some of those yeah. years. Do it. Uh, get, know, him, get him into his early 30s and, and let's go. And, and I don't want to make this comparison because. Uh, He's not Joey Votto, but I saw the the graphic the other day about walk rates for their first three full seasons in the big leagues. And how you know Votto? I don't can't remember these precise numbers, but their walk rates improved substantially each year, and Suarez improved as much or more as as Votto's in each of those three years. This is a guy that's really learning how to hit. He's not just every every sign points to this guy being a really hard worker who cares about his game and cares about the craft and about getting better. And that's the guy you want to lock up early as far as I'm concerned. I agree entirely. And here's wow here. Let's let, let's go ahead and make this comparison at the end of his age 25 season. Joey Votto had a career wins above replacement, according to fan graphs of 8.1. Um, a Eugenio Suarez at the moment near the end of his, uh, season, he still certainly has enough time to get one more wins, one above replacement for the season is sitting at 7.1 in his age 25 season. Uh, well, okay. First of all, we're not comparing him to Joey Votto. He's not going to be Joey Votto. Uh, but uh, and he he got a, he still got started in the big leagues. Suarez is going to be Joey Votto 2.0. No, not really. But, <laughs> but, uh, but even that you can even say that. Even that you that you can even you know sort of put them in the same paragraph is yeah. just it's it's mind boggling. It's absolute. I mean, you know, I think perhaps the thing we could say is he's never going to hit like Joey Votto, but he brings plus defense. Um, so he he falls into the category of someone who probably gets overshadowed also a little bit because he's good at a lot of things, but not like clearly head and shoulders above everybody else in any one particular category. He's just well above average at everything he does right now. Absolutely. And not to beat this drum, because I, and I don't want to denigrate Todd Frazier, and that's who uh, Suarez replaced at third base. And, and there was all the sturm and drang among uh, Reds fans about getting rid of Todd Frazier, the home run derby champ, in favor of Eugenio Suarez. Let's not uh, let's not uh, talk Frazier down, because he had a great Reds career, and I love that guy. Uh, but at the end of his age 25 season, 0. 0.8 wins above replacement. Well, yeah, he had just barely made his debut, right? Yes, he had. So, yeah. Um, okay, I, let's let's sort of get away from uh, the current Reds for just a moment. We'll get back, right. we'll get back to them in a minute, but I do want to talk about uh, the Reds Hall of Fame. But I'm checking in on the current game. It's uh, top of the seventh. Uh, oh, couple runners on base against Tim Adelman, but the Reds still lead seven to two over the Pirates. Um, and that actually remind, brings up a, a story that I that I wanted to mention. I don't think I've ever told you this story uh, before we get into the Reds Hall of Fame. Uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity. We were um, – I won't explain exactly how it all went down, but we had a chance to be on the field before the game at Great American Ballpark one day, my family and I. And 
Uh, so, you know, we were down there when some of the guys were warming up and the mascots were down there acting crazy. And my daughter, I think she was, I think she was five at the time. Uh, Mr. Redlegs came up to her and, uh, basically terrified the poor girl forever. And I happened to see a picture of it today and they were playing the pirates today. So it reminded me. And, uh, we've got a great picture of the rest of the family. We're all smiling, happy on the field. And there she is just uh, bawling, bless her heart. It's pitiful. Um, it's cute actually in a strange way, but, uh, um, we laugh about it now. Well, and, and in the back of that picture is Mr. Redlegs, uh, photo bombing us. Well, anyway, uh, a couple minutes later, they're getting ready to usher us off the field. But, uh, before that happened, Mr. Redlegs comes up and tries to sort of make amends. And my daughter goes nuts and goes running across the field. We were standing next to the Reds dugout, running all the way across the field into the Pirates dugout. So she's in there with the pirates <laughs> before we can catch us. So Red Lake Nation, or Red Lake Nation. Uh, Mr. Red Legs terrified her so much that uh, she joined the pirates that day. And she actually got three hits that day for Pittsburgh. Batted seventh. That's quite a, quite a baby. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a funny story we were talking about earlier. And I thought, you know, I'm going to mention that. Uh, how about the Reds Hall of Fame? Have you, have you followed uh, the Reds Hall of Fame voting any year, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I always sort of pay vague attention to it. Um, you know, it, it happens that I think you and I have the same uh, the same horse in this race this year. Um, I, I've talked on and off uh, periodically, not near to the extent that you have, but but you're very right about um, the glaring omission that is Reggie Sanders uh, in the Reds Hall of Fame. I, Adam Dunn is there this year, and he will certainly get in and certainly deserve it. But uh, but I'm very much uh, on the Sanders ticket. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about everyone that's been nominated. But I think you're exactly right, and I've been sort of vocal about. It. I think Adam Dunn and Reggie Sanders are two of the six on the uh, player ballot this year. Only one is going to get into the Hall of Fame this year, which is a shame because certainly both uh, you can make a case for all six of these guys. But certainly Dunn and Reggie Sanders are obvious, cl- should be clear Reds yeah. Reds Hall of Famers. And the fact, and I'm sort of throwing my weight. Uh, uh, such as it is behind Reggie Sanders, because it's such an oversight. You know, th- this guy's been—it's been 20 years since he almost since he played for the Reds, um, and uh, not quite 20 years. 19, I guess. His last year was 98, last season for the Reds. It's really a, a, a joke that he's not gotten in so far, and uh, and I say that, and people always say, "Well, but he struck out a lot in the playoffs," <laughs> you know, which he did. Uh, the, against the Braves, he had a terrible 1995, uh, 1995 uh, Na- National League Championship Series against Atlanta, and the Reds were swept. But man, this was a guy who he was. If you look at, it, he was an above-average hitter every season. He was with the Reds. If you go by OPS plus and by uh, weighted runs created plus, um, two seventy-one, three fifty-three on base, four seventy-six slugging during his uh, seven full seasons. Made an All-Star team, and and. A couple of things surprised me. First of all, he ranks in the top 20 among all Reds uh, position players ever in wins above replacement for the Reds. Wow. Yeah, he ranks number 20, and everyone ahead of him on the list is in the Reds Hall of Fame, except for uh, the guys that are still not eligible. I think Joey Votto and uh, Brandon Phillips, I think, are ahead of him. So, I mean... People, people sort of forget how good Reggie Sanders was, and well, uh, I, I'm not sure why he was really good. He was really good, and you know, I, I stare. He's somebody whose stats I will periodically just go look at, just to remind myself how good he was. And 
you know, I don't know if it's anything, you know, if, if Reggie Sanders had an issue during his career, it wasn't really the strikeouts. It was that he was had injury problems. Absolutely. Yes. And boy, if you look at the length of his career versus how many, he only averaged a little more than a hundred games per season over the course of his career. And he still managed almost 40 wins above replacement. Yeah. This is a guy that if he's healthy through his whole career is, has a hall of fame case. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly borderline hall of fame. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as it is, he retired with over 300 home runs and over 300 steals. You get him to, you know, you get him full seasons and he's pushing, what, 450, 500 in each of those categories and 60, 65 wins above replacement? I think easy. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you go year by year and look at how many games he was he missed. And, of course, that yeah. happened. Same thing with Eric Davis. I've always said that Eric Davis would be an inner circle Hall of Famer yeah. if uh, he'd been healthy. I believe that to be true. Um but yeah, I think. Uh, but but when he was on the field, certainly for the Reds, and he was with the Reds for parts of eight seasons. Uh, when he was on the field, he absolutely produced to the point where he put up more value than almost any uh, hitter in Reds history, uh, other than the greatest, absolute greatest players in franchise yeah. history. And you look at that '95 season. Uh, oh God, that was such a beautiful season. Oh, uh, it was all the way around, and that's the year everyone criticizes him for because he did he. He struck out against th- a lot against uh, three Hall of Fame pitchers for the Braves. The, the playoffs were rough <laughs> that year. I remember them vividly. Oh, me too. Um, me too. I was at, at sort of the peak of my baseball obsession or my, my first round of baseball obsession or whatever. But uh, I was tuned in for those games. And uh, that was that postseason was just torture. It was. It was. Well, at the high of sweeping the Dodgers in the division series to the low right. of uh, getting d- destroyed. But and dismantled by Atlanta. But, you know, what a season. It was the year after they had uh, finished in first place, but then there was no World Series, the strike, a short right. year. And they uh, finished first under Davey Johnson in 95, and Sanders hit 306, 28 homers, 99 RBIs. He uh, made the all-star team. He finished sixth in MVP voting. But I, I went and looked at it, and, you know, that was the year that Barry Larkin won the MVP. Yeah. And – Richie Sanders led the Reds in wins above replacement that season over the guy that won the National League MVP. Yeah. Well, isn't that the year where also I felt like they were giving Larkin an MVP for like a year or two before when he'd done something? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it, it, was, actually, it was 96 when Larkin really deserved the MVP. That's what it was. That was when he had his 30-30 year. Yeah, his next year I think was by, by far better than yeah. his uh, MVP. No, of course, his MVP season was great, too. Yeah. Um, but you look at wins above replacement, and Reggie Sanders had a uh, a better season in, in terms of wins above replacement than MV, National League MVP Barry Larkin, Hall of Famer Barry Larkin. I mean, yeah. we're talking about an elite talent, really, at his best, uh, when he was at his best uh, in Sanders. And, and that season, he put up, I think, 6.6 uh, wins above replacement, uh, baseball reference. Yeah. Uh, wore only one right fielder in the history of the Cincinnati Reds, has put up a better season by wins of a replacement than Reggie Sean Sanders, Schubert. 1995. Sean Shevler. <laughs> well, maybe after tonight. Uh, I haven't seen what he did in his last at bat. <laughs> <laughs> Shevler's killing the ball. Uh, Shevler does hit the ball hard. Not Scott Shevler. It's a guy named Frank Robinson. You ever heard of that guy? What? You're making that name up. <laughs> no, he really played for the Perfect. Reds. <laughs> now, Frank Robinson had three seasons better than that uh, season of Reggie Sanders had, but no other right fielder other than Reggie Sanders in the history of the Reds franchise has had a better individual season by wins of replacement. I mean, you can argue on the margins here, but by that metric, 
it's 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 an elite season. I mean, it's fantastic. And so the fact that Reggie Sanders is not already in the Hall of Fame blows my mind. Yeah, I I agree completely. I think it was a, a few years ago when I first realized he wasn't, and I it was just it's like, well, well, why? I mean, he he should obviously be there. Um, it just it meh. Yeah, I think we realized it around the same time, and there have been a couple pieces that we, that have been written uh, at Red Lake Nation that's, yeah, hey, what about this snub? And I think I know, I know Nick Kirby wrote one last year, and I wrote one this year. Now, and, and full disclosure, I guess I need to say this. Uh, I came out uh, at redlegnation.com, where y'all need to be going every day to read uh, all the st- great stuff that uh, is being published at Red Lake Nation every day. We've got some great writers, including Mr. Linden here uh, with me. Well, especially Mr. Linden. <laughs> especially, <laughs> exactly. He, he's top line uh, in the credits. Um, and, you know, I, I made the same case that, we, that Nick Kirby had made last year. This guy's got to get in. I love Adam Dunn. He's one of my you know, probably three favorite players in the history of baseball. He needs to, Adam Dunn needs to be a Hall of Famer. But Reggie Sanders, just it's an oversight, and I'm, I, I'm afraid that uh, his chances are going to run out if we don't get him in, and I'm afraid people forget. Well, um, a couple of days after I wrote that uh, through a strange confluence of events, uh, I actually got a chance to, to talk to Reggie Sanders a little bit, and we uh, and Reggie Sanders is going to be the guest on the podcast next week, as a matter of fact. So, um, so anyway, I'm a you know I am a, a big Reggie Sanders fan, always have been. But uh, the fact that he's been uh, nice to me personally doesn't hurt. But that's not the reason why. I, I mean, everything I wrote about him was before I ever uh, ever spoke yeah, to the guy. Say, so he called you because he saw the nice things you were saying about you, and uh, yes, yes, that about him and, and, and appreciated it. Um, yeah, and, and I wrote those things because I truly believe them. I think it's. I well, think he needs to get in. Everyone, go, you can vote once a day. Go vote for Reggie Sanders. And and we should. I mean, let's just go ahead and and. and state explicitly also that around baseball when he was playing he had a reputation as just being an enormously nice guy oh absolutely yeah which makes him all the easier to to root for him yeah you won't find anyone that says it said anything bad about reggie sanders uh except maybe jim bowden but do we trust him well you know all right the other candidates the pokey Reese quote about jim bowden yeah yeah let's let's not talk about bowden (laughs) <laughs> How about Adam Dunn? That's the next guy uh, on the list. And Adam Dunn is, in many ways, I think, the most underrated or at least underappreciated red, uh, at least in, in my lifetime. What do you think, Jason? Um, here. All right. Chad, I'm, before I talk, I need you to promise me that you will not kick me off of Red Leg Nation. Oh, no. All right. I'll promise. Maybe. Here's what I really think about Adam Dunn. I think Adam Dunn was a very good player, and there is a segment of Reds fandom that unfairly maligns him um, because he was the the quintessential three true outcomes player. However, I think there's another segment of the population that is so fed up with the people who don't understand that on-base percentage and, and things matter that they are willing to overlook how unbelievably atrocious his defense was so um he was a very good a very solid player and the reds got rid of him at exactly the right time because after the reds he was not much above a replacement player for the rest of his career uh but while he was with the reds he was hitting well enough to be you know to absolutely have his his starting spot justified and to be uh a very 
uh, serious contributor on some teams that were otherwise pretty pretty miserable to watch. Yeah, I think I rate him a little higher than maybe you do, but I think you're right. Uh, the defense really uh, really hurts his, hurt his overall value. He was a first, you know he was a good athlete when he came up as a kid, but uh, yeah. sh- should have been a first baseman for most of his career. Yeah. And of course, Sean Casey couldn't play anywhere but first base, so Dunn had to play left field. Am I remembering this wrong? Did he have some sort of he had an injury fairly early in his career, right? Uh, probably uh, not because he didn't play hard. That's what people said. Well, people say that about lots of people. Right. But I feel like he got hurt. I'm looking it up. He played 116 games in 2003, so he must have had an injury. I lost my, myself on what it was, but I wonder if, if there was an injury. Because he had pretty good legs when he came up, and then he just became so glacially slow in the outfield. Yeah, he was bad. He was bad. But uh, hold on, stop. Let's, I don't want to talk about what, what he did bad. You're right. He wasn't good at defense, but, man, that guy could mash the baseball. He really could. He, and he really could. And it was, so, I mean, you know, also just the, the fun of the fact that he hit exactly 40 home runs four years in a row. Right. It's one of my favorite baseball oddities ever. You know, say what you want. He's, he's certainly had his flaws, and he's not a Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. But if, in terms of a Reds Hall of Famer, fourth, oh. fourth on the Reds all-time home run list, um, led the Reds in home runs each year from 2002 to 2008, um, top 10 in the National League at home runs five times during his Reds career. Top 20 in the uh, Reds franchise history in runs scored, RBIs. Third, ranks third in franchise history in slugging percentage. Third in OPS. Seventh in on-base percentage. Oh, is Se- he really third in OPS? Yes. Wow. Seventh in on-base percentage and seventh in walks. Uh, no Red has had more 40 home run seasons. Um, I mean... <laughs> Just those numbers, yes, he had flaws. And this was my problem with the, the, the people who wanted to criticize him all the time was, why are we focusing on his flaws when he does other things very, very well? You sort of discount the things he does well. We can acknowledge he wasn't a perfect player, but the things he did well, he did better than almost anyone in the history of the franchise, and I, I felt like we should celebrate him for those things. And instead he was... Uh, yeah, I mean, his, he, he was un, certainly unfairly derided in his time uh, with the Reds, no, no question whatsoever. I feel like he has a chance of being the guy that gets voted in, though. I'm hoping it's going to be Reggie this year because I think Dunn will make it uh, next time around. But I have a feeling that because he's more recent, uh, I've got a feeling he has a chance of being the guy voted in. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I suppose we'll see. But um, well, I can't complain about that. Yeah, no. I mean, he. But, why, why does it have to be only one? I mean, that's really the question here. Exactly. Put put it both. Be both of them. They both deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the uh, the other guys that are nominated because all have their own cases, some stronger than others. Uh, I think the third best case is a guy that probably should be in already, in my mind anyway, and that's John Franco, uh, third yeah, on the list. That was one that I couldn't believe he's not in. Yeah, yeah. We're talking here about Dunn and, and Sanders, and, and to me, Franco, you know, people forget because people think of him as a Met. But, yeah. Uh, He's right in my wheelhouse because he was a star right as I was sort of coming of age as a fan. Yeah, I feel like he was the first and real kind of like premier closer the Reds had. He's third on their all-time saves list. Uh, yeah. Made three All-Star games as a Red. Um, you know, one of only five pitchers to lead the team in saves in four straight seasons. He's just, uh, he had it. People forget. Go look at, go to baseball reference and look at his numbers. I mean, he, yeah, he was great as a Met. But this yeah. guy, this guy was uh, was an elite National League reliever uh, for some teams that uh, finished in second place a lot, but uh, so n- never got over the hump. But it wasn't his fault. 
No, it wasn't his fault. He picked a heck of a time to <laughs> go from the Reds to the Mets, uh, 1990. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. That's the. Uh, but of course, yeah, he, was a, he was a premier relief pitcher for better than a decade. And, and the Reds got one of the nasty boys in a trade for him. So, uh, Franco, I think's third uh, on my personal list here. But you could put bump him up anywhere up to first, as far as I'm concerned. He deserves to get in, and uh, not sure it's going to happen this year. Um, next on the list, I don't know. Uh, you know, these other three are sort of I think feel like a little further down the list. But so let's just take him in alphabetical order. Uh, Aaron Boone. I'm not really sure. Although I looked at his numbers and it surprised me. Uh, that he was okay, you know. He made an all-star team for the Reds. Uh, he's, you know, his his numbers were okay. And uh, yeah, he was another got hit by the injury bug a little bit, but um, not so. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's they're all right. They seem solid for the Reds. There are worse players in the Reds Hall of Fame than Aaron Boone. If he got in, it's not going to embarrass the Hall of Fame. Uh, right. But I, you know, I, he pills in comparison to the other three guys we've mentioned. Uh, Danny Graves has an interesting case. He's the all-time saves leader for the Reds. Made a couple of All-Star teams. Uh, fifth in club history. I didn't realize this for most games pitched. Um, led Reds in saves five times. Top ten in National League in saves four four times. You know. Uh, here, let me let me be devil's advocate here. I'm Why is John Franco better than Danny Graves? Uh, because, well, I think really the reason why is that Danny Graves left town in such a, you know, he flipped off a fan and it was just, he they tried him as a starter and he was a disaster and it just yeah. did, did not end well. I, I think that's maybe the only reason. It's it's true, but I mean, in terms of, uh, especially when you take into account the era he pitched in, his numbers keep up with Franco pretty well. Yeah, I can't, I you know, um, I can't argue like I said, Graves, Graves might be right up there with that other group. I, you know, I don't know his his wins above replacement totals were less than anyone else in this list. Yeah. Uh, obviously, as a function of being a reliever, that was in it. That's the era of a one inning relief. Well, we're still in that era mostly, but um, but yeah, I mean, he's got this is a guy that's probably going to be a Reds Hall of Famer someday, and you know, I I can't argue with that. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was perfectly, I mean, he was good. I mean, I think, honestly, I think John Franco was significantly better than Danny Graves. I just like to stir the pot sometimes. You do. I, I think the difference is, and we'd, I'd have to look to see if this back, if my memory is backed up by this. It seems to me that like John Franco was an elite le- a reliever in the league. Danny Graves was the best reliever for the Reds. I, you know, I, I don't remember him as being, although he made a couple of all-star teams, but yeah. I, don't, I don't remember him as being, that's the, a faulty memory, perhaps, being sort of an elite reliever among his peers. You know, that was right on the cusp, I think, of the, of the time when people were still putting way too much weight on saves. Um, yeah. You know, and, and so his other numbers don't necessarily back it up. But, you know, we since have learned that, you know, you can have uh, Francisco Cordero or David Weathers out there, and they're going to convert saves at about the same rate that our oldest Chapman does. Yeah, and and and, and if you look if you look at the numbers, Coco Cordero uh, had yeah. just about the same save percentage as uh, as Chapman did, certainly at least in Chapman's first two or three years. Yeah. Um, the last guy that's nominated. So so I guess what you're saying is Sanders, Dunn, Graves, Franco. You'd be okay with any of those guys getting in? 
Yeah, so yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Boone, I, I'm not quite sure Aaron Boone's a Reds Hall of Famer, but uh, again, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if he got in. The other guy that's on and is is a guy that it's sort of sort of interesting, and it's Scott Rowland. Um, I feel like Scott Rowland has a really underrated case, and I made this case in print, I think, for the Hardball Times at one time. A really underrated case for being a baseball Hall of Famer, the National Baseball Hall of Fame, but a, I think a pretty weak case for being a Cincinnati Reds Hall of Famer. Um, in in my opinion, what are your thoughts on Roland? Um, boy, I I I have complicated. Okay, I, I have a hard time saying anything bad about Scott Roland because um, I grew up pretty near to where Scott Roland grew up in Indiana, and he was a few years older than me, such that like when I was in high school, you know, and I was kind of like in middle school or the beginning of high school, you were hearing about this kid who was playing. Uh, in Jasper, which was, you know, 45 minutes from where I grew up. And it was like, wow, he's really good. He's really good. You know, he's going to get, he might get drafted and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so he's, you know, I've, I've always had sort of a, a vague hometown affection for him. Um, I mean, for the Reds, he, he had one real good year for the Reds and he was hurt for a couple of years. Um, you know, a lot of other players have spoken about him, glowingly as kind of being important in their development or whatever. You know, I know I think Votto has said some nice things about him and whatnot. Uh, you're kind of right. Overall, his case is perhaps not, the, perhaps not the strongest, but it wouldn't break my heart if he got in. Um, well, okay. Just because he's your big brother or something, whatever you were saying there. <laughs> um, not quite, though that would be cool. <laughs> great, great major league player. I think an underrated major league player. A really great career that uh, he, and, he really should as as a major league player. I don't think there's any question he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he should. When you add in the defense and the fact yeah. that there are so few third basemen already in the Hall of Fame, I think guys like him and uh, Adrian Beltre uh, at the time I was arguing Beltre has, has transformed himself into probably a first ballot Hall of Famer by this point. But three or four years ago, when I was making that argument. Those were guys like, these guys have to go in. They're among the best third basemen in the history of baseball. And Chipper Jones at the time was one of those guys. So, um, yeah, I think so. But as a Reds Hall of Famer, you know, he really only, if you look at it, he really only had a good one good half season in terms of uh, production. Now he gets a lot of credit for being that uh, influence in the clubhouse, and I'm perfectly willing to believe. He was so gritty, Chad. He was gritty. But uh, I'm willing, perfectly willing to believe that he had some impact on that 2010 team that went on to win. He was he was so gritty. He made um, shoot, I'm Skip losing. Schumacher. He made Skip Schumacher uh, look like a glossy photograph. That's how gritty <laughs> he was. Uh, yeah, something like that. No, you know, I don't have any. Uh, again, I don't have any issues with Scott Rowland as a player. I think he's underrated. I think if he's a Reds Hall of Famer, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I, mean, the, I don't buy it. The two no-doubters, I mean, Sanders and Dunn absolutely have to be in. Franco also probably should. After that, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think you may have convinced me that maybe we can push Graves up a little bit uh, higher than the other two. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think once you get past Sanders, Dunn, and even Franco, I'm not going to I'm not gonna lose sleep over it, even though I do take the Reds Hall of Fame far too seriously. I will concede that, so. I mean, if you think that hard about it at all. Uh, <laughs> right. We've spent more time t- talking about it today than we really, really should have, Jason. That's what we do. That's kind of that's kind of our brand, hashtag brand. Um, 
last thing I wanted to talk about today is I'm going to make I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to tell me how insane I am. Okay. Um, I think the last time we talked, we uh, lamented the state of the Reds pitching for good reason. Uh, the Reds pitching has been disastrous this year, thanks to injury and uh, a series of uh, unfortunate events. And the fact that none, at the time only one of the young pitchers had shown any signs really of making much of a uh, much of a, a statement on the big league level, or even really a AAA for some of them. But in terms of the guys that got an opportunity to pitch on the big league level today, uh, this year, uh, and that was Luis Castillo. And Luis Castillo has done nothing since the last time we talked to change anyone's mind. That guy is a beast. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's going to be fine. Yeah, he's great. Um, but I think that now you can make an argument that there are two other guys at that list. So that maybe uh, by the end of the season here, we may have three young pitchers who have made at least uh, some strides towards being legitimate major league pitchers. Uh, Sal Romano is the, the guy I would say who's had uh, two or three good starts in a row now, really looking uh, like he's getting the hang of it a little bit. And I would say Robert Stevenson, whose stuff is – he's still walking a few too many, but he's also having moments where he looks absolutely unhittable. and he just But he looks like he's making – progress tonight against the pirates he struck out 11 in six innings uh oh patrick kivelahan just doubled to score uh two runs so the reds are up nine to five now um and hopefully get uh stevenson a win tonight uh so what do you think those three guys can we can do we have any hope that those three guys are going to at the end of the year we're gonna look up and say hey we actually have three young guys that made uh, strides in the big leagues this year that we Uh, might be able to count on next year i'll give you romano I've been kind of sold on Romano for a while. He's never going to be a top of the rotation guy, but he's a mid to lower bottom part of the rotation guy. I think his ceiling is probably like a, a four, maybe a three if if we're if we're really lucky. I think I think three, and I think that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Stevenson. Okay, here let's let's play a game. I like to play games with you, Chad. Is it baseball? I like playing baseball. Well, it's baseball related. Oh, okay, that's fine. Um. How many times between the majors and the minors this year do you think Robert Stevenson has pitched at least six innings? Uh, I'm going to guess a hundred. Two. Oh, I was close. Both in AAA. I was close. How many of of those two, how many were quality starts? Um, Three. One. Mm. So close. June 28th. He pitched 7.2 innings in Louisville and gave up two runs um, while walking two and striking out eight. That's a heck of a start. That's it. He's the other a- time he pitched six, he gave up five runs uh, in, um, down in Louisville. Um, that, Jason, that, yeah. that, that wasn't a fun game. No. I didn't like, I didn't like that game. No more game. Sorry. Uh, but don't yeah. you think he's made – yes, he's inefficient. Yes, he throws too many pitches. But has, don't you think he's made some strides? I think Robert Stevenson is a relief pitcher at best. Mm. Even tonight, he was fabulous tonight for the first two innings. He struck out the first six batters he faced. Holy crap. And then over the next several innings, he struck out five more batters. Also holy crap, but he also walked four. You can't do that. You can't walk four batters in 5.2 innings. You cannot do that. I can. I've done you it before. Can. One cannot do that and be a successful major league player. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, you're right about that part of it. Yeah. But yes. He, I, I look at his start tonight, though, and you're right. But on the other hand as well, he he came out after five and two-thirds. 
But he also had some bad luck, I think, in the fourth inning when uh, Billy Hamilton didn't come up with a ball that he would have ordinarily come up with for the third out. And so, you know, uh, Stevenson's required to throw another 15 or 20 pitches, whatever it was. You know. But listen, here's, here's the thing, though. If you're, if you're relying on Billy Hamilton to make all of the plays that Billy Hamilton normally makes in order for you to have a good start, you are, are dancing on the uh, head of a pin. I mean... Okay, I, I'm not saying that Robert Stevenson is. I thought you were going to criticize Billy Hamilton there for a second. I was about to get upset with you, Jason. No, no, no. <laughs> I would never. I would never ever criticize Billy Hamilton, who is beautiful and perfect. Chad, I'm not telling you that Robert Stevenson. You know what I like best about Billy? His accent, that Miss, <laughs> that Mississippi accent. Anyway, I'm not saying that Robert Stevenson is going to be Rookie of the Year. I'm not saying he's had a great year. I'm saying though that finally it seems like we're starting to see. He looked like he had no clue for most of last year and the beginning yeah, of this year. He looks, he looks better. I'll, I'll give you that. He That's looks all I'm better. saying. I think I have really started to think that his his eventual place is going to be as a relief pitcher. If that's the case, See, he has the stuff to be a great one. Yeah, I mean, I might be wrong about that. He's never really been a relief pitcher until this year or some for the Reds, but... I just he just he can't stop walking people, and he's never stopped walking people, and he's got to you know stop walking people. Everybody got mad when Adam Dunn walked so much, and everybody got mad when Joey Votto walked so much. Um, everybody should be happy that Stevenson's walking a lot of guys. You got it. You got it. You got it backwards there, Chad. Well, maybe. I don't know. I just uh, I think that uh, well Romano, you know, I think Romano, I think is absolutely making a case to be in the mix next year. I'm not saying you need to give him a rotation spot, but uh, what I've seen out of him lately, and again, Romano's younger than any of these guys, I think. This is his age 23 season. I think it's Stevenson's age 24 season. I just, I think Stevenson is showing progress that I had not seen out of him before. And uh, I'm trying to be optimistic, possibly. Maybe I'm looking at it with uh, rose-colored glasses. But I see those three guys as at least taking strides forward, some bigger strides than others, certainly. No one else has done that. On the big league level, you talk about the Cody Reeds and you talk about the rookie Davises, who's doing well in AAA now. You talk about Amir Garrett, who's got to be hurt or something. Um, now, there's one guy that's not pitching the major leagues yet this year that I think has made big strides within the organization. It's the guy you've talked about here on the podcast a lot, and that's Tyler Molly. So, so you might be able to add a fourth one to that list. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know the Reds might. You know, Tyler Molly is still really young. He's in his age 22 season, and I think there, you know, it might be one of those deals where. They're maybe waiting a little bit just just on a development level, you know, just having him work on some things because, you know, what get minor league, what gets minor league hitters out does not always get major league hitters out, um, as we have seen this year. Um, so I, I feel like Molly is going to come up and be a, a really good productive starter. But I, I you know, it, it could just be that he's just young and they're just like, here, let's we need we have some things we need to work on yet. So let's get these things fixed. Well, the Reds have more information than we do, certainly on that point. Yeah. And they and uh I guess I'll trust their judgment on that, but he's blown through the minor leagues at every level, and he's got to be put on the 40-man roster soon, so I would not be surprised if he were in the mix. Tyler Molly will pitch for the Reds at some point next year, I have no doubt. Oh, no, there's no question about that. I think, yeah. though, that he may be the he rookie. He may break camp out of the ro- in the rotation. Well, like Rookie Davis did this year, he may be the guy. Uh, Molly may be the guy that just impresses so much and uh, has sown so much on the minor league level, they may decide to just go with him as the fifth starter or something. Yeah. Uh, but if not, yeah, he'll be he'll be up here eventually. So, um, so anyway, maybe the, I, I'm just trying to say maybe the picture isn't as bleak 
as we Here. initially thought. Here's a here's a fun game to play. Can you imagine? Yeah, the more games. Any Reds fan two years ago and saying, "Hey, you know that young crop of pitchers," and they're and you know you're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're really excited about those guys." The ones who are going to work out are uh, Sal Romano, Luis Castillo, who you don't even have on your team yet, I don't think, and uh, and Tyler Molly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all would have been like, "Huh? Uh, what? <laughs> who? What?" Yeah, yeah. What about Cody Reed? What about Robert Stevenson? What about uh, Amir Garrett? Yeah. Um, another young guy that I think made strides before he was injured. He didn't pitch much at all, but you know he's still young and we'll worry about that shoulder injury. But you know Brandon Finnegan, uh, I still think uh, I still have hopes for him. A lot of people think he's a reliever, but um, I'm, yeah, sti- I'm still he, hopeful. Yeah, I'm. I mean, on his front, I'm just worried. It's the same as Disco. It's just. The injury, you know, it, can you pitch? Not as in physically, can you pitch? Yeah. Not in the majors. And I, and, and I worry with Finnegan. I think Finnegan is, uh, in some ways, certainly not as good, but uh, similar to Roselle Iglesias. Roselle Iglesias would be a shutdown. I mean, he'd be an ace starter. Yeah. But by all accounts, his shoulder can't withstand that beating. And uh, so now he's a shutdown reliever, but uh, Finnegan may end up that way. And if that's the case, Finnegan's got the stuff as well to be an unbelievable. <clears throat> Reliever, and he, he well, he showed that with the Kansas City, he was a reliever, and uh, and won a World Series, got a World Series ring for his efforts. So, yeah. uh, I'm going to ask you to predict three of the Reds' five starters in 2000 opening day 2018. Are you ready to do that? Yeah. Give me three that I can be that I can count on, that I can be sure are going to be there and be okay. Castillo, Luis Castillo, that guy's good. Yeah. Romano. Sal Romano. Interesting. Service time might run into this and cause it to not be a thing, but I think effectively Molly. Tyler Molly. Those are the three I would bet on. I would like to say one of the other guys, but there have been so many injuries. I'm just, you know. I would like to say Homer. Homer, I, I think, has shown that he's kind of coming around, but he just left to start due to injury, which probably isn't major, but I haven't seen him pitch since last time. So those are the three I will take right now. Or or if I can be a little broad, I would say um, Castillo, Romano, and a free agent to be named later. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um you know, best case scenario, the Reds have that group of young pitchers that there may be, you know, some that that pan out, and uh, and we're starting to see that some are panning out. And then best case scenario is Anthony DiScalfani, Homer Bailey is back to being Homer Bailey, and uh, Brandon Finnegan can come back and start. But here's you know. here's what I honestly think that the Reds can reasonably count on next year. I think Castillo, you can count on. I think you can count on Molly and or Romano. Like, I'm sure one of them will be fine. It's very possible both of them will be. And I think that you can count on Homer, Disco, and Finnegan together to give you one starting pitcher's worth of starts throughout the year. Okay. So you have two you, slots to fill. You just made me cry. Um, I think it's very. I think it's a good chance that Molly and Romano are both uh, legitimate. Yeah, but on the I other hand, but until we see Molly in the majors, I don't want to, you know... Well, but but in terms of expectation of what they can actually produce, let's not expect them to be anything more than really a fourth or fifth starter next year. You right. know, uh, yeah. th- those guys are not going to be one, two, or three starters next year. Either of them could be, uh, you know, one, two, three starters some time down the road. 
Um, and even right. Castillo, you know, we're talking about back of the rotation starters. We've got to have either Desclafani, Homer Bailey, Brandon Finnegan, or the Reds have to go out and spend some money to have somebody at the top of the rotation. I, I will say this. I don't think Homer Bailey is ever going to be a top of the line starter again. No, you're right. I, I think he's a fifth starter I, probably. I think he's a, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a three, four, five starter. But That's he can, where he's but if he, I mean, he's just thirty-one. He could still be a decent three, four, oh, yeah. five starter. Uh, but he's not a top-end guy right now. The best starting pitcher in the Reds organization, as far as I can tell, is Luis Castillo. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have suggested. I didn't mean to suggest that. You're right. Absolutely right on Homer Bailey. But uh, you know, uh, just a point of fact: if the Reds are going to have anything next year, they're going to have to go get someone either by a trade or by free agent, free agency. And, and I don't know. I'm just I'm hopeful. <laughs> That the Reds have invested so much money, you know, I, I got a chance to talk to Dick Williams a, a couple months ago, and uh, he sort of gave the hint that the Reds are at the point in the cycle here where they're about to start reinvesting in the major league payroll. So who knows? Maybe I'm hopeful. Yeah, I mean, you know, there should be. If you look at the history, there should be some money there, and there have at least have been some rumblings. I know I've read some stories where there are mentions that the Reds are thinking about hitting the free agent market. So. It is a team that, I mean, we've talked about this just earlier today. The lineup is not a bad lineup. And, um, and with the young guys, could expect to improve. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Offensive players are much easier to project than 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 pitchers are. So, Senzel, you can bank on pretty well. Looks like Winker's going to be okay. I mean, it's really not hard to imagine the top four hitters in the order all having the potential to get on base at a 380-plus rate. Wow. Um at which point you've really got something going there. I mean, um, that's that's going to be an offense that's going to score a lot of runs. So you, I mean, goodness, you add a pitcher or two, a legit, legit good major league starting pitchers there if you've got the money, and you know that's a, that's a team that could you you can imagine it surprising some people. And, but surely the Reds will have a little bit of luck with pitching next year because with uh, with. Luis Castillo is the only unmitigated success story out of all the Reds pitchers this year. Um, uh, Molly, I guess, as well, but I'm talking about just guys, major league guys. I've been in the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, Castillo's the only one that I would say is an unmitigated success story. Uh, It's been the worst case scenario in all other ways. Surely the Reds can revert to the mean a little bit, I guess, and get a little bit of luck. And if they do... Again, I feel like we're not that far away. Maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I really feel like they're not that far away. Here, let me let me ask you a question real quick. If wait, a minute, is this another one of your games, Jason? No, this is, I think this is a fun question. Jason Lynn is playing games tonight, but let's hear it. If Sal Romano finishes the year like he's had his last six or seven starts, does he become an unmitigated success? I think it's mitigated by the fact that he had some injuries and some, uh, but I think he's a success. But it's not, yeah. it's not the same level of success as Luis Castillo. But yeah, I think if he finishes out this year strong, another four or five starts or whatever he has left, or more, um, really has not been bad since he since he got slotted into the rotation. He's had a couple of bad starts, which you know it's easy to be like those are easy to count count as rookie. Young pitchers do that, yeah. Uh, but he's had some really good starts too. He came back from that injury, and and he had a really. I, we may have talked about it on the podcast, but he had this comment uh, to one of the guys at the Inquirer about how when he first was up here, he was overthrowing. He felt like he had to throw ninety eight every pitch, and 
he was going to make a real effort that the Reds had talked to him about it. And he was going to make a real effort to sort of pace himself and to not overthrow and, and pitch more than just throw. And since he said that, and since he came back, yes, he's had some, he struggled some, but he's also shown a lot more, I don't know, he looks mature out there. He, he handles himself, uh, he, or he handles the, uh, the, the other side really well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I've never, literally never, before uh, now, been you know a fully paid member of the Sal Romano fan club, but I'm certainly getting there. I'm I'm, I'm really impressed with what I've seen out of him lately. Yeah, I I am too. Um, and he is somebody you know for whatever this is worth, you know, take it with a grain of salt or whatever. But he has a he has a, a, a nice reputation in Louisville. Um, so that's you know that's something. You know, if guys come across as as or have reputations as good character guys that you know are at least coachable and whatnot, that's always a, a positive. Um, but his results lately have been good. So yeah. we're encouraged. Let's see if we can get five or six, seven more starts out of him and and, and see where we end up. And he'll probably get the, uh, uh, five or six, seven more starts. Uh, Castillo yeah. may only may only get a, two or three more. He's coming, getting close to his innings limit. But Romano was injured, so he may he, he may be able to finish yeah. the season. So that would be good. If Castillo, because unless I'm wrong, Molly has some innings that he can gain yet. Um, he's He can – he Castillo only hit about 130 last year, and Molly hit 150 or so. And Molly, I think, is around 140 or something right now for the year. So he, I wonder if Luis Castillo results in Tyler Molly getting a call up because of the innings limit. I hope so, only uh, selfishly because I want to watch Tyler Molly uh, pitch. So yeah, Tyler Molly has 144 innings right now. Okay. Right. All right. Well, Jason, anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. Baseball yeah. is good, and I like it most of the time. Uh, these Reds really stink, but they're so much fun. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain that, but it is. It's a fact. Uh, Jason's on Twitter at Jason Linden. I am Chad Dotson at Dotson C on Twitter. You can follow us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter and at RedLegNation.com for uh, Reds news, notes, and analysis every single day. Uh, all year long, been doing it since 2005, and I guess we'll just keep on doing it. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, uh, uh, at uh, Stitcher, at all those places you get your uh, your favorite podcast. Subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review if you would. I ask that every week, and it really does help uh, new listeners uh, come on board. And, uh, and we are getting new listeners every week, and I really appreciate you uh, talking about us out there. Uh, tell your friends uh, if you like us. Um, and as I always say, I'll go ahead and say it again. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell people that. Why, why would you tell people that? It doesn't make any sense. Also, if you don't like us, why do you listen to the end of an hour podcast every single week? You got an answer for that, Jason? I, I, I'm as mesmerized as you are, Chad. <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Jason, always fun, man. Thanks for coming on again. Yeah, no problem. And we'll talk to you again soon. But next week we're talking to Reggie Sanders uh, for Jason Linden. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.